stoned as an adulteress. And so this is a time, she wasn't waiting for a baby, she wasn't longing for a baby. This is not, there's a great joy when that happens to someone. This is a huge surprise for her. And great stress would undoubtedly be part of it. But in the midst of that, she rejoices. How? How is it possible to find joy like that? Well, I want to take you through that this morning. That's my plan. I'm going to give you uh, four things, four reasons why I think she's able to do that and see if that can connect well into us. I think it does profoundly. Let me give you the first one. The first one is not actually in the song. It's in the context. She's been given an announcement of this child that is to be born that she's now carrying. And how does she respond? She responds in extraordinary humility. So you can see there in verse 31, you are to conceive and give birth to a son, you are to call him Jesus. She says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. Verse 35, the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Her response, verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. The first reason she's able to rejoice is because she comes before God humbly, trusting him. If this is his purpose for her, she can rest in his arms. I'll give you the second reason why she's not just without fear, but there's actually joy in the midst of it. The second reason is in the song, it's verse uh, 48. You'll see it starts with the word for. My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Why? Verse 48. Because... He has been mindful of me, of the humble state of his servant. He has been mindful of me. To have God, the creator of the universe, pay particular attention to a person and for that person to know that God has mindful, has them in mind, is a deeply profound experience. And for her, a nobody a humble servant, in an obscure land, captive by Rome, in the backwater corner, for her to know that the mighty one of the universe has come to her is deeply, profoundly touching. There's the second reason why there's joy. I'll give you the third. It's because this God, this mighty one, has given her a special place in his purposes. A unique place, one to be unrepeated, but a special place, a unique place. From now on, she says, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You see, what has the holy one done for her? Given her to have the child. Not just any child, but the child. Just step back a touch and see this. Um, Jesus didn't just come out of the blue. Jesus didn't just appear. He came at the end of centuries of promise. Mary alludes to this at the end of the song where she talks about Abraham, his descendants, Israel, just as he promised our ancestors. This birth, this conception of this child is actually the fulfilment of centuries of hope and expectation. I mean, it goes all the way back to Old Testament prophets, many centuries before Jesus. One of the extraordinary things about the Christian faith, if you've ever wondered about, is it true or not, is the way in which the Bible talks about um, promises made centuries before events occur, 
to have those events happen exactly as said. It is an astonishing thing. Back into Isaiah 11. For to us a child is given. Upon him will be the government. Isaiah 7. A a virgin will be with child. Uh, Back to um, 2 Samuel 7. Uh, Back to Genesis 15. Where the seed will one day come. The seed of the woman. Back to Genesis chapter 3. Where there'll be the one who comes, the child will be born, who will crush serpents, the serpent's head. These expectations and promises made to the ancestors were waited upon. Israel, the leaders of Israel were waiting for this one. A one who goes by many names. He would be the, he would be the, the, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David. And the great rulers of Israel waited and waited for this one. And Mary is given to carry that child. A young woman in the middle of nowhere, of no account. And so she is, she is full of joy. She has been blessed like no other woman. And she knows the extraordinary nature of it. You see, she's able to rejoice because firstly, she trusts God. She's able to rejoice because God's been mindful of her. She's able to rejoice because God has chosen her to carry his great purposes forward with this child. But then her joy shifts fourthly more broadly. You can see halfway through there, if you come down to to number 50, she she begins the song by singing about the thing that's been done for her. But then by verse 50, she's now singing about what God will do for everybody. And so verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him. She's received mercy, but she sees that that mercy upon her is for everybody. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And she then celebrates the great work of God as saviour. She calls him her saviour, my God my saviour back in verse 47 but now she shifts to reflect on what it is that God is like as the saviour that the history of him saving down through the centuries she sees that his work in the past has been about well performing wonderful deeds verse 51 scattering those who are proud in their inmost thoughts bringing down rulers the proud rulers from their thrones and lifting up the humble bringing revolution, uh, undoing injustice and oppression, taking away the power of those that crush the weak. You know, we've got a time right at the present where we're very conscious of uh, oppression, injustice, inequality, um, and there's much that's seeking to be done about it. God has been there long before us. And he's worked in the past to deal with these things. Verse 53, he's filled the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty. This is who God is, she says. The one who's been merciful to her, a nobody, is that kind of God. A God who actually cares for the weak, the hurting, the lost, the oppressed. She's full of joy that this God has remembered his promises to Israel to save 
and to save on a grand scale. To save now in a way that fulfills all of those hopes in the past. You see, she's got joy for these reasons. A joy that couldn't be crushed by the hardships of her life. But in fact, was able to thrive in the midst of hardships. Because here it is. Every expression of hurt, of grief, of pain, of loss, brought home even more strongly that something needs to be done and brought home even more strongly and vividly that God is doing something. God can do something. He has remembered in and is at work. You know, this is not escapism. Mary was not into escapism. You know what, uh, what I mean by escapism. Sometimes Christmas for us can be escapism. It can be that day where we sort of, we go through a rough year, a difficult year. It's been very challenging. Um, and you kind of look forward to Christmas as that, at least that one day where I can, I can gather and I can sing wonderful songs and I can just feel some uplift and some from freedom and joy and I can gather with family and have a great time. And this, this is the day when that's all meant to come together. And to actually have it taken away is actually, for many of us, very difficult. I had someone say to me uh, just this last week how disappointing it is that we can't have, a, have a, the building full and have people singing and rejoicing. And there is a disappointment because there's a sense in which as you come and you experience this, it's, it's a taste of something better. But I'll tell you what's even more wonderful is that the glory of Christmas is seen in the darkness. The glory of Christmas and its power is seen in the midst of a lockdown. It's not taken away because the glory of Christmas is not sentimentality. It's not just good feelings in the midst of difficulty. It's a thing of substance. You see, how do you find that joy? How did she find joy without escaping she found joy because she knew in reality that God was doing something. God has done something. A child was conceived. The Saviour who would right all wrongs. The Saviour of the world. And that child that was conceived in her was born. Was given the name Jesus. He grew to be an adult a strong and powerful man who was gentle with the weak, but strong with the arrogant. And he walked around Palestine, and I find this astonishing. As you, if you've never read the, read the accounts as an adult, read the rest of Luke's account. Because as you read of Jesus, you'll see a man who strides around the ancient towns and places of Palestine where the world was weary, where it was in darkness... And he strides around the countryside bringing light and life and healing. He speaks a word and paralyzed people are made well. He raises the dead. It's an astonishing account of what actually happened. But then, of course, he died. Which was a great shock to Mary and his disciples. They thought it would be otherwise. But in his death... He did something they could never have imagined. 
He dealt with the greatest darkness and grief, death itself. He paid for sin. He brought forgiveness. He made it possible for men and women to be reconciled back to God, brought into relationship with the living God himself. And he demonstrated the truth of that three days later by rising himself from the grave to show that death no longer has a sting, it no longer has a hold on him and all those in him. You know, Mary rejoiced in the song about a great reversal, a time that would come, a time that had been experienced in tastes and bits and pieces that one day would be fulfilled, where there'd be a reversal of the oppressor being removed and the proud being humbled and the humble being lifted up, a great reversal. She rejoiced in all that God was one day going to do, but she never had a clue about the depths of what he would do. She didn't realise that the son she bore came to do far more than she ever hoped for he came to deal with death and bring life forever you know I um it's often a, a trite thing we can say to people that everything will be all right I was in a car in Randwick many years ago I was a young sort of a 18 year old 19 year old and uh, I was I'd had some disaster happen to me, I don't know, some girl had dumped me or some mark had gone wrong or something and I was, I was looking very sour and down in the car and I stopped at a set of lights and the car next to me, a combi with a very cool, trendy-looking couple, kind of looked through the window at me and said, it'll be all right. I don't know what my resting face was, it was just looking pretty bad, but they said, it'll be okay. And I remember thinking, you don't know that. And I wished I'd actually had the... I, well, actually, my parents are in hospital in a critical condition and may not live. Is that what you think will all be okay? I didn't say that, but I wish I was. But uh, how would you... Res everything's going to be all right? How do you know that? Because to us, a child has been given. Because God, the one who can make all things right, has worked a miracle. And the virgin birth is a miracle. Which you, you would wonder to yourself, is it possible? Is that even rational to believe such a thing? If there's a God, of course it's possible. But more died and then rose again. Is it possible? Of course, if there's a God, it's possible. A God like this, a God of love. Friends, every grief and pain will be undone. It will be reversed. It'll be repaid. Every expression of suffering and loss, God counts and he will return good because God was mindful and gave this child to us. And so Mary rejoices because in some sense she sees all of this playing out in the future. She sees the child, the fulfilment of hopes finally come who will bring salvation for the world. And so she rejoices, as Christians have done ever since. You know, there's the most vivid expression of this, I think, is by the, the writing of a man called Horatio Spafford. Who has heard of a man called Horatio Spafford? Some of you have. Let me see if I can... He wrote one of the best-known hymns in the English language. Let me read it to you, one verse at least. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows 
like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now Spafford didn't write that in a lounge room around a Christmas meal. He wrote that on a boat on the Atlantic Ocean going past the place where his four daughters drowned in a boating accident. He knew what it was to go through grief and pain. And yet he was able to say it's possible to rejoice, not in some superficial way. His soul could glorify the Lord. Mary's soul could rejoice in God our Saviour in the midst of the worst possible things because God has brought a Saviour through this humble woman to remake a broken and fallen world. You know, the hymn that he wrote went on to celebrate the deeper truth, the deeper, more wonderful things that God has done through that Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Mary rejoices in the midst of trauma and doubt and stress and difficulties, because the Son given through her is God's gift to a weary world. This is not the end. Jesus tells us there is more. It's a powerful and beautiful message that we pray is declared all around the world today, again. But you know, I can't finish with this yet because there's an edge to it that does need to be drawn attention to. All of this hope all of this joy, all of this comfort is only for a certain kind of person. It isn't for everybody. It's only for those who fear God. Do you see the words there in verse 50? His mercy extends to those who fear him from one generation to another. It's to those who fear him. Mary uses other words that sit perfectly alongside this one. She talks about being humble and a servant. Humble, servant, fear. She talks about the proud, the pride inmost being, being cast down. Because it's the essence of pride to imagine I don't need mercy from God. It's the essence of pride to imagine I can meet with God and speak face to face and it'll all be okay. It's the essence of pride. And Mary says it's only for the humbled. It's only for the fearful, the ones who come broken before this God. I was with Louis this week and uh, I had had a wonderful time with him uh, four or five days before he died. And I said to him, knowing that he wouldn't live much longer, I said to him, Louis... In a few days' time, you'll be standing before the God of the universe. I said, are you afraid? It's a question that's good to ask all of us. 
I said, are you afraid? And Louis said this, with tears in his eyes, he said, I'd be a fool not to be. Now, by that, he wasn't saying it's criticising people for being foolish. He was just saying, there's nothing in me that makes me worthy of expressing this thought. It's, it's, of course, I would have to be. And he went on to say, because I'm going to stand before the God who created all things. Of course, I'm afraid, he said. But then immediately he went on and said this. But he said, our time at EV has taught us this, as we looked at the Bible again and again, that it's only by grace. It's by God's mercy. And so Louis, it was a beautiful time, with tears in his eyes, said, afraid, but not afraid. Trembling before the God of the universe, humbled, yet aware that he is full of mercy to those who fear him. And so full of assurance and confidence and security as he went to meet his God. What a blessing. What a testimony. Pray, God, it's yours. God is mighty. We are not. We're his servants. But be assured of this, That as you come to him afraid, but trusting in his mercy, because of the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be set right. You'll be forgiven. You'll be restored. You will know the joy, not of escapism, but the joy of knowing that God is mindful of you and your humble estate. So that whatever you go through, the Lord God is for you and with you. He has done something in history to give us such a hope. He has sent Jesus, the Saviour of the world, born we celebrate on this day. Praise God. Let me pray God now. Our great God, we thank you for the gift you have given us and ask please that you might bring us humbly before you to know this grace and mercy. Help us to know the joy that comes from being secure in Jesus, that it is well, it is well with our soul, that you will make everything right. We thank you for such a wonderful message. In Jesus' name, amen.